This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. This is the agenda from Blood Red. I am Dan Austin. This is Christian Walsh. We are from Liverpool.com and we are here today to talk about the big storylines that are left in the transfer market. There are only nine days left, Christian, which feels mad um, because it's been such a short summer. It feels like Liverpool only won the European Cup last week. Um, and it's already coming to a close. They were playing Samir and it just felt like this is a month ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. It really didn't didn't feel like Liverpool. The whole summer's been a bit wild, hasn't it, in, in that sense. And Jürgen Klopp must be absolutely... Chocker to be honest, because he's somebody who likes his meticulous planning, and 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 it just feels like everything. Sadio Mane started to stop playing football about last week. So how how Klopp is coping with this, and and it obviously does have an impact on on transfer dealings, and not just for Liverpool but but everywhere. So Liverpool, it looks like, aren't going to make certainly any significant signing um, before the deadline next Thursday, but plenty of their rivals most likely will. So we're going to go through a couple of the things that are looking to be resolved by the likes of Manchester United, maybe Manchester City, Tottenham, Arsenal, and I'm not calling them a rival, but we're going to talk a little bit maybe about Everton as well if we've got time, because they're doing a couple of interesting Mm -hmm. things, it looks like, between now and Thursday. First one that I think we need to go over, though, is this... Berserk link to Paolo Dybala that Manchester United have got. It was Tottenham Hotspur last week, and people were very confident that he was moving there. Now people seem very confident that he's moving to United. I I still just can't quite imagine that happening for a player that that plays for the team that wins the league every year to go. I'm gonna go and play for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at a team that's in absolute crisis. Yeah, that's for me. It, it, it's it's bizarre. It's it, I mean it's very. I think it says a lot about what uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's doing to the Juventus because as we'll come on later, the, the, the Juventus are also looking to sell um, Wise Ken. If that's and by the sounds it. of it, Manzukic. Manzukic as well. as well. So I don't know if, you know, we talk about FFP, if Ronaldo just absolutely destroyed them and they need to get rid of all the strikers and the high earners and, 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 and whatnot. But yeah, uh, Dybala is a very interesting one. I can't believe that the, the, the Juventus are seemingly hawking him out. Um, you know, in a swap deal for Lukaku, I just don't really understand any of any of that. Dybala is always one of those players who's always been one of the internet's darlings, and I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just mean that as he's always been that kind of player where Liverpool aren't signing anyone. Well, why don't they sign Dybala? Mm-hmm. But now it's actually coming to a reality where it looks like Dybala is actually available and on the market. Um, is he actually as good as people make out? Has he actually done much? I think he only scored two goals in 20-odd games last season. If he, was, last... if he was as good as people on the internet think, then Juventus would not be willing to sell him. That, it's that, as simple as that, I'm really, thinking. isn't it? And that's the case with any player that leaves a big club. Unless it's for a stupid fee, like, mm. for example, Liverpool getting £140 million pounds for uh, Felipe Coutinho. If someone is selling one of their, in theory, first-team players for a price that seems really reasonable then in all likelihood they think that player isn't that good enough yeah. to play for them. Um, and the, I think Juventus have, have signed something like four or five sort of 20 to 30 million euro players as well from the Italian league mm. where they've brought kind of centre-halves that are going to eventually take over from Chiellini. They've mm. done it with Delict, obviously, but they've done it yeah. with a lad who plays for Sampdoria, I think. Yeah. Um, they've done a couple of other things like that as well, one at left-back, I think, where... They've spent a fair bit of money and you can understand that they need to recoup something. And also, if we're talking about rivals of Liverpool, Juventus are a rival of Liverpool yeah. because Liverpool are the champions of Europe mm. and they will be in Juve the crosshairs of big. Juventus. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do in terms of changing their badge, signing Ronaldo, signing all these new footballers. 
So it's interesting to think about everything and, and it, it strikes me that if they're willing to let Dybala go, first of all, I think it's really weird that Miritu Sari would want um, Romelu Lukaku to play mm. up front for him in that system. But if they're willing to get rid of Dybala, that to me means that they don't rate Dybala very highly. No, which is, and, and you know, full disclosure here, I, don't, I, I haven't watched much of Dybala mm. ever since they got rid of Serie A on on BT Sports I've watched a couple of clips so I haven't seen much from last season not really much from in the Champions League either but I, I from what I've seen and from what people have told me people who actually spend the time watching Italian football he's a, he's a number 10 and I feel like in the modern game number 10s are almost becoming redundant so you think about all the, the midfielders that Juventus have signed recently and they normally play a bit like Liverpool that three man midfield with got, two eights with two eights so you've got Pjanic you've got Emery Chan, you've Kadira, got Kadira, Matuidi, Rabio, Aaron mm-hmm. Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Where does a number ten fit in there? Um, so it's going to be very interesting. It maybe it's just a case of a little bit like Coutinho. Um, obviously, there's no mad fee involved, but if it is it a case of look, he's a, he's an all right player, he's a good player, but there's actually nowhere in this squad that fits him mm-hmm. in the style of play. Uh, I'm not too sure. It's interesting. I think there will be a clamour for from some. For Liverpool to be to be in the conversation, and ultimately they shouldn't because number one, Liverpool don't really play with a number ten. Um, number two, I don't know if he's physical enough for the Premier League, which is going to be interesting if he does end up at United. And number three, he, again, he's a left footer who cuts in from the right hand side, which is what they've already got in Salah, in Shaqiri, in Wilson, and even Harvey Elliott. They've obviously bought mm. for the future in that position. So maybe if he was a right footer cutting in from the left, then you go well, he could save as a bit of competition for Sadio Mane but as it is he's the same type of well he's not the same type of player as, as Salah but he'd be taking up the same positions so you know I think United are I think it's another sign in where United are puffing out the chest and, and flexing the muscles but we saw what happened when they did that with Alexis Sanchez and Romelu Lukaku and, and Di Maria Di Maria and to a lesser extent Paul Pogba mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if this one if it goes through that backfires another one that will be resolved in some way shape or form by next Thursday is the future of Harry Maguire Mm -hmm. also linked heavily with Manchester United and Manchester City Manchester City are in a very uh, tough position now in that they can essentially only buy homegrown footballers because of the squad that they've assembled Um, Nicolas Otamendi is still there they need a replacement for Vincent Kompany anyway it does seem like an English centre half is what they should, or a homegrown centre-half at least, is what they should really be going for. Maguire, therefore, makes loads of sense. But I, I wrote a thing for Liverpool.com actually recently on on the fact that Liverpool bought Van Dijk at the perfect time, both in terms of, obviously, he's a brilliant footballer, he's completely revolutionised the way that Liverpool defends, and he might well win a, win a Ballon d'Or. So total success just from Liverpool's point of view. But what Liverpool have also been able to do is redefine what a centre-half is worth. Because the one, the record before that was £50 million for David Luiz. The Paris Saint-Germain played to Chelsea in 2014. So Liverpool made a 50% increase on that by seven, paying 75 for Van Dijk. And they went, you know what, this is what a really good centre-half is now worth. So they can set that tone by buying the very best one 18 months ago. And now Maguire, who is a really good player, really good Premier League standards, got a decent international record as well, but he's not on anything like the level of Van Dijk and never will be. He's only one year younger than him anyway. He's now worth more. He's now worth 80 million quid, the talk is, because Liverpool made that shift. So not only have Liverpool bought Van Dijk and really made themselves better, they've now effectively bullied either United or City, whichever one ends up with them, into paying 80 million for a lad that 
It's good, but no better. It's completely changed the game. You saw it last summer with Kepa as a blogger mm-hmm. to, to give him his full name. Um, when, when Liverpool signed Alisson for 65, Chelsea it redefined the market and Athletic Bilbao turned around to, to Chelsea and said, OK, well, if he's worth 65, he's worth 75. Not necessarily because I think Alisson, I don't think I know Alisson's a better goalkeeper than mm-hmm. Kepa, but the idea is there, if you're going to buy the upper echelon of talents, then this is what it's going to cost. And it has, it's, it's redefined everything. Teams, quite rightly now, will use somebody like Van Dijk as a benchmark and say, well, you know, Virgil van Dijk costs £75 million. Pounds. You know, we want at least that for, for our player. And, you know, someone like Manchester United or Man City can go back to, to Leicester and go, well, we don't think he's worth that. And they go, well, fine. All the best. Try don't and pay find 50 million yeah. for Lewis Duncan yeah, instead. Exactly. Then. <laughs> you know, and this is it. It's a captive market. They yeah. know that Man City need English players. Mm-hmm. They know that now Eric Bailly's out for five, six months. They know that Manchester United are desperate yeah. for a centre-back. They know that they were trying to get the licked and obviously he went to Juventus instead. So it, it, it's very much a seller's market at the moment. It's very much... The, the 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 selling club holds all the power, and that's in a weird way because teams like Liverpool have have given that power to them. Set the tone, yeah, yeah. they set the tone, and and you look at it like somebody like Salah. Even you know if you if you were at the start when they would sign them, and you go thirty five million for a for a Serie A striker, well winger, who had a bit of a rough time in England, and okay, he's done all right at Rome, he's done more than all right, he's mm-hmm. done well, but you know that thirty five feels feels quite steep. Now, you know, I think Roma, I think um, Napoli, I think even Juventus, whoever, are well within their rights to turn around and go, well, if you want our winger, it's 60 million because you saw what Mohamed Salah mm-hmm. can become. Um, even, you know, on, on, on a Liverpool scale there, you know, when they were trying to get Alisson originally, they, the Roma were asking 90 because it was like, no, 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 no. You got you you had us off for yeah. Mohamed Salah. You obviously know this guy is good. You know this is almost like a, a tax for for, for 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 doing us wrong. And they fell for the trick again. Yeah. I know at the price. <laughs> exactly. We should go back to Rome yeah, every yeah, year. Exactly. <laughs> Take the best player, and now we're going to turn him into the world's best. But what what else is it? You know, kind of a a wider issue here is that Liverpool know. Well, sorry, clubs who deal with Liverpool now know that Liverpool know, so. Liverpool unearthed, didn't unearth, but they bought Sadio Mane for 30 million. They bought Mohamed Salah for 35. They got Van Dijk for, for 75. The numbers are irrelevant. The idea is that they're worth more than what they paid. Mm-hmm. Likewise, Robertson, for example. So now if Liverpool are going to, I don't know, let's say a a Derby County for a, a, a young striker there and they offer £5 million, they're gonna be with Derby going to be within the right to say, well, hold on, Liverpool have clearly spotted something here, so let's bump this price up because he's clearly good. He's come up on their analytics, mm-hmm. which has proven almost foolproof over the past three or four the, years. It's the best in the world. Yeah, the, the, yeah definitely, definitely. So that's why I was quite surprised by Sepp van der Berg only going for one point seven because mm-hmm. if I'm PC's role, I'm saying, hold on a minute, <laughs> you, 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 you know, this lad's played nearly a thousand minutes of of, of top flight football. Liverpool have got him on his radar. There's clearly something about him. We can clearly get more money for mm-hmm. him here. He's clearly going to be a talent. Um, so that surprised me. It's the reason why, it, you know, when this Harvey Elliott deal goes to a tribunal, I'm sure Fulham will be throwing their hands up in the air and going, look, if Liverpool have picked this 16-year-old out, they know what they're on about. He's obviously worth a lot of money. So it'll be very interesting to see how that affects it. But it has the big knock-on effects at the lower level like that, but also at the top level where Liverpool, everybody knows Liverpool find value. Um, so you know Van Dijk's worth what now two hundred million. He's, he's priceless. He's priceless. Mm-hmm. So so like Harry Maguire, 
and if that's a, a, an unintended knock-on effect of Liverpool's rivals having to spend a bit more, even better for Liverpool. I think it's well intended. I think that's part of the plan. Uh, another one that we'll quickly mention before we go is uh, Nicola Pepe to Arsenal. Has sprung out of nowhere, really. It was it was them chasing Zaha, and you got the impression that those two clubs would sort of meet in the middle somewhere and it'd get done, and Arsenal would tick along, and Zaha would do all right there, but not brilliantly, and, and everything would remain as is for them, basically. This revolutionises it. I remember saying to you in the office the other week that... I, I was under the impression there was a fair chance Arsenal would not finish in the top 10 because they'd made no improvement, to a discernible one anyway this summer. They already looked like they were on the way down last season. Their underlying the numbers of, were shocking. Really poor. And the likes of Leicester, West Ham, Wolves have spent really intelligently as well, I think, so far this summer. This this totally throws it, though. I've got no idea what they're going to do now because, it, I mean, if you've got Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe up front, you've got goals. Mm. They're not going to concede any less because they haven't signed a new goalkeeper or a new centre-back, but... Are they just going to try and score their way to top four in the Europa League or something? Or? 2013 14 Liverpool? Mm, is, that what, is that what they're looking at? The Pepe one's interesting. It's clearly, they've clearly wanted him out of Lille as agents. And I went to Lille on a stag zoo this summer. I think it's a lovely place. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the rush is of, of, getting, of getting him out of Lille. I thought it was a, a really nice little city. But yeah, I'm sure he doesn't go on that many nights out drinking, though, if he's an elite level athlete. So he's not getting the same appreciation of the place as what you are. We went on the bike tour and. Uh, you know, we actually played a little bit of fussy good facilities, but I have no idea why he wants to out of Lille. They've just got in the Champions League, they finished second, but I suppose it's he's twenty four strike while the iron's hot. He's you know, their agency has been linking Pepe with absolutely everybody. They've been offering him to everybody. Mm-hmm. This is why there's been the whole idea of Liverpool are interested in Nicola Pepe because it's coming out in France, but that's only because the the the, the, the French agents are telling Someone people. Someone with a vested yeah, interest is saying, saying let's get interest, let's get his name out there. So much so that Michael Edwards actually rang up the Lille manager and says for Christophe Gaultier and said ignore all of this in L'Equipe and and Lefort and all of this. We're not <laughs> interested in them. Don't worry about it. So it's it, you know Inter Milan have been linked. Um, Everton we're, we're looking at him as well by all accounts and. It looks like Arsenal are, are the team at the moment. And I saw a really interesting tweet from somebody who who kind of understands this sort of thing, uh, and they were saying how uh, I said, Do you know what? It was it was actually a quote from Sven Millenstadt, who was Arsenal's former um, director of football, and it was how you know back in back in his day he was looking at the analytics and that kind of thing. I mean, how his analytics found Socrates and Mkhitaryan, I don't know, but that, <laughs> there we go. Plays he worked with, but he's saying now uh, the, the the new regime in Arsenal are just um, taking whatever agents and, and 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 clubs are offering them, mm-hmm. which sort of tallies with the with the Pepe idea because it feels like they've been offered them, they've looked, they've weighed it up, they've gone, we're not getting Zaha. He's got you know good numbers. I think it was eleven goals and eleven assists, so you know he contributed twenty two goals there in in, in Lille's season in it, league. It, eleven in open play. Yeah, he got nineteen. I think yeah, overall. That's it, yeah, so, so he did have a really good season. Yeah, he always had a really good season. He looks a really good player again. Using the thing that I'm going to talk about all summer, he's a left footer on the right wing. He, he, yeah. if, if it's the opposite, if he's the mirror image, then maybe he's coming in to, to give Mane a, a, something to think about on on that left hand side. However, he's not. He, he plays on the right with a left foot. I think it's a really good sign for Arsenal just because I think it's it's the sort of sign that they probably shouldn't be able to make given where they are at the moment. Um, what did they do? They finished fourth, if sorry, fifth and the Europa League finalists, but they were pretty much humbled in the Europa League final. As you say, if you look at the underlying numbers and the direction of the club and where the, God knows where the money's coming from. But 
I think it's a really good signing for them. I, I think that it's the kind of thing that can catapult them because I think that the, the fourth spot is open, is up for grabs. I think Liverpool, Man City and Tottenham are pretty much guaranteed yeah. to be in the top three. Despite Liverpool's pre-season and the, the, the fears that I've got of Liverpool somehow finishing 17th this season, I'm only messing there unfounded. But with Arsenal, I think a signer like Pepe, who's got clear out, you know, end product alongside Aubameyang and Lacazette, it feels like that is is, is just a. There's not many great defenses in the Premier League, and and those those as a front three could absolutely blow away the bottom half. Right, that's all that we've got time for on this episode of The Agenda. I hope that you've enjoyed it. If you have, make sure to subscribe and press the like button. Also, let us know below what you think is going to happen with all these big transfer storylines. Where's Harry Maguire going? What's going to happen with Dybala? Are Arsenal going to finish in the bottom half or <laughs> win the league? Because that seems to be the, the sort of schism that they're playing off at the minute. Will Liverpool be above 17th? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that people don't have to comment just to tell us that. Um, but thank you very much for watching anyway. We've written loads of transfer stuff in the past couple of days on the liverpool.com website i've just finished something on whether ending the transfer window early is actually a good thing for premier league clubs or not so check that out there are also things about uh, players that liverpool might have missed out on already in this window that's quite interesting so make sure to check out liverpool.com but for now enjoy the rest of your day all the best you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo